Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Three now past the hour. We've got a great uh, opportunity to talk some baseball. Final week of the regular season, by the way. And they're talking now about allowing fans uh, deeper into the playoffs, which is something they haven't done at all this whole season. Here to talk baseball and uh, give us a little beer at the end of the show, uh, wash it down right, is Jay Jaffe, who you can follow on Twitter at J underscore Jaffe. Check out his work at Fangraphs.com. In fact, he's got the cover story up on the website right now on Nolan Arenado, how his season is over, but he and the Rockies are still stuck with each other um, as a left shoulder injury cut his season short. And uh, Jay, good to have you back. Uh, how are things going with you? How's everything? Oh, not too bad here. Uh, other than I've, I've got a uh, a cranky four year old here on, on the other end of this uh, call. Um, but uh, no, I'm I'm good. And uh, um, yeah, let's 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 get to it here while I try to navigate this minefield here with uh, uh, with my daughter. <laughs> I hear her. Uh, we can always put her on the show if you'd like to, but until then, let's uh, let's talk about what you mentioned with uh, the Arenado uh, season ender because, you know, um, this season, you look at his numbers. They're not bad numbers. They're not normal, but 273 average uh, this year, and um, ultimately, um, what's that? Sorry, not, not, not to you. Sorry, keep, oh, keep going. No okay, and, and, and someone that, um, you know, has probably a, a very large contract, which at the time we all thought they, that the Rockies should have signed him. He was the best hitting third baseman in the game. He was going to command a lot of money, whether it was Colorado or someplace else. So at 29, you hope that Arenado is not on the, uh, on the downward slide of his career. He should still be in his peak years right now, shouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, he injured his shoulder, uh, left shoulder, the fifth game of the season, and the signature uh, of of that injury, the lack of power, uh, the reluctance to swing, um, it's all over his stats. And, you know, when he says he's been playing through injury, you know, I I take him at his word. Uh, He reached the point where he he couldn't go on. Um, This doesn't look like it's a surgical surgical situation, Um, and so... Uh, you know, it, the the assumption is that he'll be he'll be he'll be back he'll be back to normal uh, come uh, <clears throat> come the winter. But the bigger issue is, you know, after another dispiriting season in Denver, uh, how he and the Rockies are going to get along because he's been very critical been very critical of the team's uh, ability to build around him. Uh, he lashed out at them last year, uh, said it felt like a rebuild, and, and now. Uh, I think he said something to the effect of, you know, if there's eight teams in the playoffs and we're not one of them, then that doesn't say good things about us. And the Rockies are in fourth place right now in the NL West behind the Dodgers, Padres, and what's been an amazing story, the San Francisco Giants, who are 500 after 54 games. That should be one of the great stories of the season, but the Rockies have have, uh, underachieved, uh, not Pittsburgh Pirates underachieved, but still six under in a division like this, uh, it's not not going to be good enough. No, it's not going to be good enough. And 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 the bummer of it is, is they they got off to an eleven three start, and their their young rotation core, uh, Kyle Freeland and, and Herman uh, Marquez and Antonio Senzatella uh, and John Gray, all but Gray have had good seasons, and and they've wasted they've wasted a year of their competitive window. They've wasted a year of Trevor Story, who's one year away from free agency, and now has. No reason to believe uh, that that he should stick around. I mean, you know, they, if they can't treat Arenado right, how are they going to treat Story right? So, you know, I think that I think. 
I think that I think that's going to be a real a real problem for the, for them going forward. And yet his contract, which has an op an op, excuse me for one second. I hear you. All right, you got to do what you got to do. Jay Jaffe with us right now from Fangraphs.com. Hey, this is part of the gig, folks. You don't realize it, but hey, when you've got a three-year-old, especially it, uh, it's all it's dinner time. It's tough. I get it. I understand it. I went through this myself about five years ago, so I can relate to, to what uh, Jay's going through right now. I, I really can, and hopefully, I don't even know if, if Jay's solo. That, that's going to make it almost impossible. That's okay. okay. Are you by yourself with uh, yes, uh, my wife right, is now, um, right now with Robin? So, ah, uh, call okay. call me, call me back in three minutes. Thanks. Okay, we'll do. We'll do. That's perfect. That's <laughs> good stuff, Adrian. We'll get Jay Jaffe back on the show here in a moment. But before we do, I'll tell you a story about Patrick in Northeast El Paso. Needed to sell his home, so you know what he did. He reached out to his MVP. Brian Burns. And with the pandemic, Patrick felt some uncertainty about it, as you might imagine, but he didn't need to. Very quickly, he received four offers on the home, and he sold it for $2,000 over the asking price. You know, to achieve a top dollar for your home like Patrick, you need an agent who can create an auction-like effect with buyers competing for your home and driving up the price. That's exactly what Brian Burns from Century 21 Haggerty does. When you sit down together, you'll agree on the price, deadline, and if the deadline passes and the home isn't sold... He will buy your home. That is Brian's home sale guarantee. So call the official real estate agent of UTEP, the El Paso Chihuahuas and El Paso Locomotive FC, not to mention the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. Why? Because I trust Brian Birds. Call him today, 751-1500. That's 751-1500 or online at brianbirds.com. That's brianbirds, B-U-R-D-S.com, and start packing. All right. I think we have Jay back with us right now as uh, we continue on the show. Jay, I appreciate it. And um, I'll tell you what, there's a developing story in San Diego right now. Um, Mike Clevenger had his start today pushed back due to bicep tightness and left today's game after just an inning. Now, one, two, three inning for Clevenger, two strikeouts. But heading into the postseason, this is not what the Padres wanted. Yeah, uh, you know, we're, we're still waiting to hear the details, but obviously, uh, it, like you said, it's not what you want. Um, Clevenger was the centerpiece of uh, the largest of the five trades the Padres made around the, around the deadline. They gave themselves a, a top-of-the-rotation starter to, uh, uh, to head into the postseason. They have the uh, National League's second-best record. They're going to be the number four seed because the Dodgers have clinched the number one spot, uh, and the way it works is the three-division title uh, winners are going to be the one through three seeds, um, but uh, you know they, they've had, they've gotten good results elsewhere in that rotation. Uh, Zach Davies, Chris Paddock, and Denelson Lamet have all been very good too. Uh, but the thinking was that Clevenger could be their uh, their number one throughout the postseason, and uh, uh, if he is uh, unable to go, at least in the short term, uh, which is uh, I think what what you would uh, presume by his leaving this start, uh, given how close it is that, uh, to to his next one, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, that this is going to be a real problem for them, at least in the short term. He had 95 today in that first inning, Jay, and had two strikeouts and went one, two, three. So you hope it's nothing serious, but obviously it is a concern. You wonder if maybe somebody now like Garrett Richards, who was in the bullpen, gets thrust back into the rotation as a result. Yeah, I, you know, you need you're going to need three starters uh, for the for the first round. Obviously, it's the best it's a best of three series. 
Uh, then there's a couple days off in between series, and then you'll have to, you'll be playing. Uh, if they, if the Padres make it through, they'll be playing uh, five games in a row in the division series. So um, you know, unless uh, unless one of the starters can come back on on three days of rest, uh, you're going to need a full a full complement there. Um, so yeah, this is this is a, a problematic situation, and it, and it would require uh, either Richards or you know committing yourself to some kind of bullpen game. Uh, perhaps an opener, perhaps uh, just uh, you know empty the pen type of uh, situation. Absolutely, uh, Jay Jaffe with us uh, talking baseball and in a little bit some beer here on Sports Talk. By the way, um, you know you look at the early division winners. Not everything is in in stone yet. There's still races that are, are going to go down to the wire. Uh, how impressed are you that the Oakland A's have once again been able to uh, take home the AL West this year and, and play what's really been good baseball uh, all uh, you know all shortened season long up until these last ten games or so. Yeah, they're, look, they're, you know they're, they, what they have done year after year is, is, is truly impressive. Um, they've got they've they've been fortunate uh, to stay strong despite some pitching injuries. Uh, uh, losing AJ Puck, for example, I think was a was a bit of a blow. And uh, uh, Jesus Lazardo, I believe, uh, had uh, uh, came down with the coronavirus uh, during summer camp, and, and the start of his season was delayed. Uh, they've had some. Uh, uh, they, they lost Matt Chapman. Uh, to a season-ending hip injury, um, but they've also been able to take advantage of the fact that the, that the Astros, uh, I think, have, have have fallen pretty far uh, even before losing Justin Verlander for the for this season and, and now next season because of Tommy John surgery. Uh, they really didn't do anything to augment their rotation after losing Garrett Cole and Wade Miley and Colin McHugh to free agency. Um, they were depending on a lot of uh, young internal options, and some of those have panned out, and some of those have not. Uh, but uh, Jose Altuve has had a terrible season. He's been dealing with some injuries. Um, we've seen some downturns elsewhere. Uh, and, you know, with, with so many guys heading into free agency, uh, uh, George Springer, Michael Brantley, uh, Yuli Gurriel, uh, it's quite possible that this is uh, the, last, the last gasp for this particular uh, Astros core. Absolutely right. Uh, Jay Jaffe with us uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue uh, with more on the program. By the way, have you thought about your award winners yet in terms of MVP, Cy Young? And I know it seems just so weird talking about you know MVP and, and these kind of awards for just a, a two-month or you know, two-and-a-half-month season. But ultimately, Jay, I guess baseball is still going to be handing out some trophies. Yeah, I mean, there, there, you know, there's there's so little separation over the course of two months. I mean, you know, you look at if you're looking at, at at the two main wins above replacement formulas, you get differences of of you know a couple runs here, a couple runs there, and it, you know it, it comes down to to philosophy. I mean, I think you can you can make the case that Shane Bieber should also be the MVP uh, as well as the Easy Cy Young winner in the American League. I have not systematically gone down and figured out who I would choose for every award. Uh, I do know that I've got Kyle Lewis uh, of the Mariners and Jake Cronenworth uh, of the Padres as my rookies of the year. Bieber as my AL Cy Young winner, probably lean towards Jacob Degrom as my NL Cy Young winner. Um, MVPs are a little, a little bit tougher for me. Uh, I think uh, Mookie Betts and Fernando Tatis are two names that I'd that I'd be considering for the uh, uh, for the National League one. Uh, the AL one I, I, is probably the one where I'm I'm uh, have have the least uh, uh, amount of uh, research and, and decision. Uh, making done. I know that there's something to be said for for Jose Ramirez. I know that there's a few other guys in the conversation, though Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson. 
Um, but I'd want to look at that more before I before I uh, cast my ballot. You wrote a few days ago about Justin Verlander's Tommy John surgery. Now that he's going to be out, not just the rest of this year, but next year as well, he'll probably be, uh, what, uh, 39 when he's on yep. his way back uh, and maybe not even in Houston. How tough is this for the Astros now to try and keep themselves near the top of the division next year and in years to come, knowing that uh, their ace uh, is ultimately going under the knife uh, for the first time in his career? And I used to think Verlander was a Tommy John candidate 10 years ago, Jay, as hard as he threw. I'm still amazed that he avoided the surgery as long as he did. Yeah, I mean, look, he's you know he's got good genes. He's been very healthy for you know for for his career. He had that uh, uh, that triceps and lat issue uh, in in Detroit in 2014, 2015, uh, but came back very strong and had been one of the most durable starters in the game. And one of the things that I think impressed me most has been his ability to maintain his velocity late into games. What that tells what what all this tells us is that he's got very very good mechanics. And and I you know the 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 comparison that has come to my mind more often than once, uh, is Tom Seaver, just a, uh, just a model of, of, of efficiency uh, in, in terms of mechanics, and, that, and that's how you stay, you know, how you stay healthy. Uh, but uh, the injuries, he had the groin injury earlier this spring. He had surgery for that. Then uh, the forearm strain, now this. I think you know, when the injuries start to pile up uh, and you make the slight alterations uh, to your delivery, uh, I think that's when the problems really start when you when you're you know quote unquote messing with the kinetic chain, um, and I I would not at all be surprised if there's a link between uh, what Verlander was doing to compensate for for that groin injury both before uh, and after surgery as as he came back. Let's wrap it up. Beer pick of the week. What do you have for us this week, Jay? Oh, I had a good one, Steve, and this is kind of uh, fall appropriate here. Uh, this past weekend, we went out to Governor's Island uh, for the second time this year, took an eight-minute ferry from lower Manhattan uh, to this little island, which is a, a former um, uh, military installation used in the uh, Revolutionary War um, and uh, uh, some skirmishes after that. <clears throat> um, Three's Brewing has a little outpost there, and I sampled for the first time their far-between fest beer. Uh, this is a... Uh, uh, kind of a this is a it's a lager kind of pilsner like uh, oak aged in this case kind of toasty and biscuity and uh, it just was felt like an ideal fall beer uh, good drinking excellent stuff I love it Jay nice comeback today I'm impressed <laughs> you, you you battled and you you came through in the clutch we appreciate it all right sure thing Steve good to talk to you take care we'll talk next week take th- thanks so much Jay. Jay Jaffe, Fangraphs.com. Follow him on Twitter at J underscore Jaffe. Hey, 20 in front of five. We've got Adrian Ochoa standing by and then plenty more. Sports Talk on 600 CSPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. You have uh, questions for this next guest. My strongest advice is send it to us because nobody handles fantasy football, and fantasy sports like Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. You want to know why nobody handles it like Jeff? Because he actually does this for a living. That's right. This is how Jeff makes his money is by fantasy. So think about that for a minute. If you're playing in a league and you need advice, wouldn't you want somebody who actually gets paid for it? I would. Jeff, welcome back. How are you? 
I'm doing well, especially with an intro like that. Uh, and think about how surreal my life is too. While we're at it, too, that I, I you know, I get to put down as fantasy sports expert somehow as my job description. Think about how how crazy that was, and th- how wild it was, and when I started doing this back 1997. Man, that's when you decided. Now, what again? I know you've said this on the radio before. What were you prior to '97 as far as your line of work? I was studying for the bar exam when we launched the company. Oh my! I, God. I, I'm a recovering attorney, although I never I never practiced full time. That's the catch. I passed the bar, got sworn in, and never practiced full time. Found myself not interviewing for jobs. Meanwhile, I was doing this on the side. Kind of came to that realization moment that hey, I don't want to be an attorney for the rest of my life. Luckily enough, didn't have like kids, mortgage, anything like that. Had the wherewithal to be able to decide that. Uh, got another job and was able to use that job and like the, a really nice company that let me work on their T1 line at night on my site to build the site up and went from there. What a great story that is. That's amazing that you, you end up taking the bar, you pass the bar, but you never spend one day as an attorney. And instead, here you are now 20, uh, 20 years uh, with Rotowire. It's amazing. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, I, I, I love it. It's a great story to tell. And Hopefully I get to tell it for another 20 more years. I hope so. I think you will. I really do. All right. Um, so let's get started. You know, I wasn't going to start talking baseball at all because fantasy season's coming to an end this week as the playoffs are right around the corner. But man, oh man, the news that Mike Clevenger could be out for the rest of the postseason after just an inning today with the Padres. What a blow that's going to be for San Diego. Yeah. You know, we saw a nice, clean first inning, too. You're like, oh, okay. Now, here we go again. He had his, They skipped his last start. It was like, okay, fine, he's back on track, just a little ounce of precaution. Then you see uh, Marejan opening, uh, warming up in the bullpen. You're like, what is going on? Uh, and then we find out the bad news. And you know, we'll see what happens with that. Maybe it clears up, but this is certainly a bad sign. Uh, they, they envisioned him being their game one starter. Uh, and they, This was their big go-for-it trade. Yeah, because Paddock's been down this year. This has not been the Chris Paddock that we're used to. Yeah, uh, although he pitched well in his last start, maybe there's hope still. You know, everything's weird in this sprint season, Steve. You know, sometimes pitchers take a month or two to get untracked. Uh, I I remember CC Sabathia every year at the Yankees. You know, he'd have a horrible April, and so, you know, that would last in the May sometimes. And you're like, what's going on? Next thing you know, he's got a low three ZRA. He's won 18 games now. Granted, wins aren't the the perfect barometer of everything, but the fact is. He was a better pitcher as the season went on. Some pitchers are like that. Some hitters are like that. And we're not, we don't have the luxury of that this year. And, you know, we don't have weather as an excuse. We do have the, you know, lack of time, build-up time and all that. And the vagaries of baseball, there's, like, streaks and slumps all the time in baseball. Who's your fantasy MVPs this year? Would you put Freddie Freeman and uh, Shane Bieber as your offensive and the pitcher uh, fantasy player of the year? Yeah, they're pretty high up there. Uh you know, that's a great question. I, I would say Bieber for sure among the pitching side of things. Uh, sometimes you want to look at opportunity cost. Uh, so you could make a case, like, for instance, that, okay, Jose Abreu didn't cost very much for you this year, and he's been incredible. Uh, you know, he, he came later than Freeman. I'd probably say Abreu over Freeman, actually. Uh, if you want to look at kind of like a guy that, that was really cheap and has been a stud, how about uh, Luke Voigt? 21 mm-hmm. homers. 49 RBI, 39 runs scored, and you were paying like pick 200 overall to get him. Well, you know what? The I, I would say probably the pitching version of that has got to be Corbin Burns, right? Oh yeah, 
uh, make that warms the cockles of my heart too because I, I have a lot of him. So very happy to uh, to contemplate that one uh, for sure. He he's been incredible. Uh, I would add on to that list. Uh, well, the Nelson Lamet. Uh, you know, he was not. He, he wasn't. You know, he was much more expensive than Burns, but he was still cheap. You know, this is a guy who's probably going in the ninth, tenth round, maybe eighth as we got later, and people kind of hike got hyped on him a little bit. Uh, but he's been worth every penny of that so far. 89 strikeouts and 65 innings. Uh, you can throw in Marco Gonzalez. He was freely available in drafts. And look at what he's done this year. 306 ERA, 9.912 whip, seven wins for a, a Mariners team that, you know, think where they'd be without him. Uh, Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's crazy. By the way, I, I would, Will Myers would be my comeback player of the year this year. I like that one. That's a good one. He's really uh, bounced back. He was hurt a little bit last year, too, so that fits in ter- into the whole uh, comeback uh, you know, barometer there. So, yeah, I-, I-, I can get behind that one. Is Kyle Tucker your American League Rookie of the Year? Uh, yeah, let's, yeah I- I'd have to look at a list of rookies in front of me, but, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he is. Uh, you know, the fact that he finally got all that, got the playing time is, is a big aspect of that, too. Uh, yeah, he he is. And in the NL, I go Cronenworth. Mm-hmm. I know he's been terrific. I don't know if Mike Yastrzemski is even eligible for Rookie of the Year. He's probably not. Yeah, I don't treat him 30. as one, but he he's like the oh yeah, he's actually good <laughs> candidate of the year. I mean, people did not expect that much out of him this year. He was another guy who's going around pick three hundred. Uh, and if you look at the Statcast metrics, there's enough to support that he, he was for real. But because he broke out so late. There were, there were a lot of people that were not buying. And, you know, fortunately those that did are doing pretty well. Has this baseball season lived up to what you hoped it would be before the playoffs start next week? Yeah, it's, you know, it's been disappointing in some ways, you know, with like the COVID outbreaks. And, you know, if, if I have teams that are disappointing, but in terms of getting through the season, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has. Uh, we've seen a lot of great stories. Uh, you see the Marlins making the likely to make the playoffs. That's, that's wild right there. In uh, the Padres story, you know, it, it, the Padres are yet again another example of a team full of young players that, you know, that, you know, people have high expectations of that, quote unquote, someday they'll be good. They always seem to break out before you're ready for it. And I think that's what happened again with the Padres. Remember the Rays a few years ago? I, they're like the canonical example for me. It's like, oh, yeah, when they're ready, they're ready. So true. And they got blasted when they traded away those players. I mean, people thought the Rays were a disgrace to baseball. Remember all the comments and saying, you know, why even bother with this franchise? What a disaster. And now look what they've done the last couple of years. It just goes to show you that even when you have a group of guys that nobody knows who they are, it don't, don't write them off yet. Let's see what they can do first. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, smart teams, you know, you, you just got to say, like, I don't see it. But then it seems to work for them way more often than you think it does. Uh, well, and look how much they're not even. Look how much has gone wrong for them this year too. That's the amazing thing. You know, they, they've had a lot of pitchers go are out for the season. Uh, they, Austin Meadows has done next to nothing. He's like their one like everyday player in the field. Uh, it, it's it's pretty wild that you know they've been able to get this sort of mileage. It just shows though. They've found a way to be competitive with a, you know, a significant disadvantage. You know, the, the ownership is lamentable still. You know, all the talk about moving the franchise or you know, half the games in Montreal or things of that nature. You know, yes, it's not ideal. They want a better ballpark, better ballpark location. I get it, and that's all fair. 
But the belly aching, the carping, the, the salary cap, you know, the you know, self-imposed salary cap that they put on the team, you know, that's frustrating. But I know people work in that front office. I know people that scout for that team, and I know how smart they are. I know how hard they work, how, dig, how much they dig into the corners. I mean, they lost this trade to the Padres. The, and we thought it was the Tommy Pham trade, but it really happened to be the Jake Cronenworth trade. But, you know, it, it's funny. It, they still keep on ticking. No, you're right. And by the way, um, you know, Fam hasn't had a good year this year. It's been it's been weird. He started out good. Maybe it's injuries, but it's just not the Tommy Fam we we know. Yeah, he had like four stolen bases the first week, and then he, he you know, he, I don't think he, it took him another week to get his next hit. He's been hurt a lot. He just got back, but I don't know how much they can count on him in the regular season. I mean, in the playoffs. I mean, luckily for them, they've got you know, as you alluded. Myers has been so good, for instance, there. That, that took care of that a little bit in terms of the offense, the, the mystery of the missing offense there. And then, of course, Cronenworth becoming an everyday player. No doubt about it. All right, we're talking right now to Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. We're going to shift it over from uh, fantasy baseball right over to your fantasy football questions and get Jeff's uh, analysis here in a moment. Again, if you have not had the opportunity, send it to us either on Twitter at 600 ESPN El Paso, or you can chat with us on our free uh, mobile app uh, powered by United Bank, and we'll go ahead and uh, pass that along as well. But first, uh, let's get back to Adrian right now and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update here on 600 ESPN El Paso. A Los Angeles Chargers team doctor accidentally punctured quarterback Terod Taylor's lung right before kickoff Sunday while trying to administer a pain-killing injection to the quarterback's cracked ribs, head coach Anthony Lynn told reporters today. That's why Taylor did not start Sunday and rookie quarterback Justin Herbert unexpectedly did against the defending champions Kansas City Chiefs in an arrangement that Lynn said that will continue Sunday against the Panthers. Taylor's injury is not career-threatening, Lynn said, adding that the doctor, quote, just made a mistake. We'll go to more news. This is coming out also from college football. The North Texas-Houston football game scheduled for Saturday has been postponed, which is the fourth season opener the Cougars have been unable to play because of the coronavirus pandemic. North Texas said in a statement today that four positive COVID-19 tests this week and subsequent contract tracing left the Mean Green unable to field a team for the game. Both schools are looking to reschedule if possible possible. Houston has previously had opening games against Rice, Memphis, and Baylor postponed or canceled. In all four cases, Houston's opponents had coronavirus issues that did not allow them to play. The Baylor game was quickly scheduled for September 19th after Memphis was forced to postpone, only to have the Bears encounter their own issues and cancel the day before kickoff. And this Sports Center update is brought to you by the Crab Station Oyster Bar. You can visit the live seafood experts at West Town Marketplace, Crab Station Oyster Bar, Shrimply the Best. And that's a look at your Sports Center update. I'm Adrian Bradis. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. We keep things moving. Jeff Erickson, rotowire.com. Get back to Jeff in just a moment. But first, want to remind you folks to play the Dallas Cowboys scratch ticket for a chance to win up to $100,000 instantly or one-of-a-kind Dallas Cowboys experiences. Dallas Cowboys Football Club Limited, all rights reserved, must be 18 or older to purchase a ticket or enter a promotional second chance drawing. And, of course, play responsibly. Now, time to get into fantasy football. 
your, I was waiting for your value meter yesterday, anxiously awaiting that. I love that on Tuesday nights. It's one of the things I look forward to the most when it drops. And, of course, uh, questions already coming in on the app and on Twitter. Let's get started with our pal Johnny Condren, who wants to know, would you start Hawkinson or Eifert if Kittle can't go to the, on uh, Sunday? Uh, I've got Hawkinson over Eifert. Eifert's interesting, though. You know, one of the things is I think I had him a little too low Uh he is going to be a frequent red zone target for uh, the, the Jags because of his height, because of his past uh, working, you know, red zone red zone work. He's that guy that they like to high point the ball to a lot. Uh, you know, in fact, Minshew kind of forced the ball into him for one interception at one point, but he also that also resulted in a touchdown on a subsequent drive. So it's going to be interesting to see if that's something that comes to fruition. I don't think he gets a ton of targets. I think Hawkinson's a better bet to get more targets, and Arizona also doesn't cover tight ends especially well. Uh, and I expect this game, the Detroit-Arizona game, to be a very high-scoring game. Johnny also wants to know, would you start Rieger or Cole? Uh, Rieger, I know, is doubtful at the moment, but if he's uh, able to play, who would you go with Cole. between those two? Yeah, Rieger, Rieger's going to go on IR. Uh, he, he's got a torn UCL in his thumb. It's going to require <laughs> surgery almost certainly. Uh, he's going to be out uh, multiple weeks, so this one's easy. All right, yeah, you solved it. That was good. Nice job. And, uh, Johnny, there's your answer, and now you know. So that's uh, perfect, uh, and I appreciate that. Oscar at Oscar Jr. 915 wants to know, Cup or Deontay Johnson? Closer than you would think, but I still go Cup. Uh, Deontay, you know, he, he's really uh, – he, he looks great in the open field. One of the things I am a little bit worried about, though, is he's still got that lingering toe injury, but still. He looks great. He should have had a second touchdown. Uh, punt return got called back for a hold. That was kind of, eh, I'm not sure if it, it was really a penalty. And then the next play, Chase play, uh, Claypool goes deep for 84. So uh, you kind of got robbed of some points there. But uh, regardless, they both look great. It's a good problem to have. I'm happy he mentioned Deontay Johnson because he was the focal point of this week's hidden stat line up on the website. Yeah, uh, and that, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, Jerry Donabedian does a great job with that. You talk about uh, snaps, you talk about target share, talk about uh, some of the things you don't always see when you just look at the numbers. Uh, and, you know, you have to, you know, the next-gen stats are really getting better and better about that routes run sometimes as a way of kind of doing that, uh, as a way of focusing on that. And, you know, in this case, Deontay Johnson's a guy that I, I expect better things going forward from him. Uh, so, yeah, Jerry d- does a great job of that. Do you own some Aaron Jones in terms of your leagues after what he did this past weekend? Yes, sir. Of course I do. Uh, you know, oddly, he got discounted towards the end of draft season where I saw him going in the middle of the second round. I saw him going after some of the receivers. You know, early in draft season, there was a, a stretch there where it was like 12 out of 13 were running backs. And then it got to a point where like a couple of the receivers moved up or like James Conner would go ahead of him. And you're like, why? Is, there, is everybody fascinated with A.J. Dillon's calves that much? Apparently they were, uh, and Dylan's been just an afterthought, a mop-up guy, and Jones is just a stud. He is. He's showing that last year was no uh, was no fluke. And I'll tell you what, I watch a lot of Packer games because of obvious reasons, and the man just knows how to find the end zone. It's amazing when you see just how good he is at getting to pay dirt every time. Yeah, and you know it was reasonable to expect a little bit of t- touchdown regression because after last year, but. Even if it doesn't get there, you know what is regression? That's and I'm having Scott Pianowski on my uh, podcast tonight. That's one of his favorite uh, questions. Is yeah, sure, regress, but regress to what? So he's going to go from 18 to what? 12 touchdowns? That's still 
end of first, beginning of second. He was going way too late for that. Uh, you know, unless you thought, oh, he's going to drop all the way to six touchdowns or something because of A.J. Dillon. But, no, that hasn't remotely come, come, come close to happening. How about the start Kyler Murray's had to his season? You know, he's a little erratic throwing the ball, but, my goodness, he's so good at, in the open field. Uh, he is just a different level. And I think we're seeing the evolution of quarterback in the NFL. There's so many mobile quarterbacks now. Remember you know, when RG3 was at his, you know, his rookie year? Well, that'll never last. And then he got hurt, and everyone's like, see, told you, that, that play doesn't, style of play doesn't work in the NFL. Oh, yeah? Now, look, at, let me give you five other guys that do it, and we'll show that, yes, it does work in the NFL, and it can be enduring. You think Justin Herbert has a chance to keep the job? Oh, yeah. More than just a chance. I think he's likely to. Even Anthony Lynn's comments notwithstanding. And he's got to say that, by the way. I don't think he's wrong for saying that. I don't think it's cynical. I think, you know, when the team screws up that badly, you have to say, okay, you know, he, the job's his when he comes back. It might be. But if, he, if Herbert throws up two more games like he did like the last one, and he's the you know their first round pick this year, and was the presumptive eventual quarterback. Anyhow, there's not they're not going to give it back, especially if they're competitive if they're winning with him. Uh, and that's that's the ultimate test. If they win, say he, he leads starts the next three games, he throw, he plays as well as he did against the Chiefs, and they win all three games. They're not going back. It's a great point. I hate to it really say it, I, it's terrible for Taylor, but oh. you can't make a move on sentiment. You have to make a move based on what's best for the team. I feel bad for Taylor. I really, oh, really do. It's awful. Oh. Just awful. And, no, no, no. you know, one of the things it does uh, is it illustrates the role of painkillers in the NFL, in football. Let's not just limit it to the NFL. You know this happens in college, too. You know, shoot, shoot these guys up uh, with painkillers so they can get through games. Shows what a toll it takes on the body. These guys deserve every single penny that they get. Where do you see Herbert moving up the rankings over the next few games as he gets more comfortable? I mean, I'm being pretty cautious. I mean, I love this matchup against Carolina, and I still got him around 20, 21, I think. Uh, it's funny because the top-level quarterbacks may not have the best matchups. For instance, Mahomes has the, the Ravens, for crying out loud. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has the Saints. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't really want those matchups, but yet I'd start them over Herbert. Uh, you know, you, I, you have to start with skill level first and accomplishment level sometimes, too, uh, and then adjust for uh, matchup. Matchup becomes the tiebreaker, not the mover. If you want to learn more, go to rotowire.com. Rotowire.com is where it's all at, and, and you can get the free access to the articles and read uh, not just uh, what Jeff talks about every week, but everything that's going on because you got so much great content up on the website right now. Again, folks, rotowire.com. Enjoy the conversation as always, Jeff. Look forward to having you back next week. You bet. Thanks, Steve. You got it. Ah, and I just missed the tweet from 17 Kingerick as we're wrapping it up with Jeff. Is he still there? Or is he gone? I'm here. Oh, here's a, this, this came in at the buzzer. Literally, as I was saying goodbye to you, who do you think is right. going to have a better career, Herbert or Joe Burrow? Okay, this is unfair because I'm super biased, Burrow. But I, I, Herbert looked way better than I expected against the Chiefs, uh, especially given the reports coming out of uh, – uh, out of training camp. But, you know, Herbert didn't blow people away in the Pac-12 last year. That's why, I, I, you know, he, he impressed me the other day. Uh, and uh, He's better than I gave him credit for. I can see why, this, why scouting departments loved him. I love the raw ability. Uh, I just think, he, I think Burrow would be better. Thanks for going overtime with us, Jeff. We'll do it again next week. Hey, no problem. My pleasure. 
Jeff Erickson, as we head into uh, this ABC 7 News update, which is uh, coming up uh, right now from Adrian Ochoa. Then John Teicher will join us on our final countdown here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Let's talk as we wrap it up. John Teicher joining us right now. He'll be with us live in about 10 minutes for UTEP football with uh, Dana Dimmel. Teicher, good to have you back on. How are things going with you? Good, Steve. Uh, good to be back uh, with uh, Coach Dimmel here in about uh, 10 minutes as we talk about, uh, what, two victories now in the first uh, three games of the season and looking forward to playing a, a fourth game again on uh, Saturday. I looked it up today. Only UTEP and Texas State have played as many as three games. And, Steve, there are some schools that have yet to play at all. In fact, did you see uh, Houston again this week? And it's oh. not because of them. It's because of their opponents. They were going to play North Texas this week. Can't go. North Texas has got COVID cases. And uh, still, Houston will have not played a game, but again, through no fault of their own. No, you're right. And I feel for uh, I feel for them. And that's why it's just, you got to realize, and we talked about this at the start of the year, John, that if you can get through a full season without any postponements or cancellations, you're really, really lucky. Well, it's remarkable uh, we're getting to week, and hopefully we will get to week four. I mean, there's still time until uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, we all get tested on on Friday, and uh, and all has to go well there before we uh, before you hit the road. And hopefully everything's okay with Louisiana Monroe as well. But uh, looking past that, after the open date next week, you get the start of conference play in a couple of weeks against Louisiana Tech, and of course they've had their issues. They finally got a game in last week conference game against Southern Miss so you just don't know Steve from uh, week to week and it's probably going to be that way until the finish your nose sounds really good and I'm sure it's because you're getting Thanks. tested so often yeah. with these swab tests and I can tell it sounds it's excellent. not Steve sure you... testing is not the word poking is a better word it's a better word oh. poke uh, aggressive oh. poke how's that as exploration as it doesn't exploration listen to me it you, you heard about uh, Terod Taylor, right? Poor guy. I mean, he's got a punctured no, lung from a doctor. Oh, Adrian's got had this uh, story through for, for headlines. Uh, and, and Adrian, you've read this a, a, a number of times. Uh, basically, this was a medical staff member for the uh, Chargers, right? Yeah, it was a medic, a, a doctor who was trying to do something and injected. Uh, I guess they were trying to do something with his cracked rib, and they injected, uh, uh, I guess, a needle, oh. and it punctured his lung, and it kept oh. him away from Sunday's game. So he was a late scratch. It was like right before kickoff, he was scratched from it. And the crazy part about it was, Terod Taylor was on the sideline, kind of grimacing in pain. But everybody at the time thought it was, uh, you know, he was really upset with the coaching staff for benching him, but it turned out to be a really bad situation. I don't know how I'd missed that, to be honest with you. Oh, that's awful. Man. Hey, this tweet came in a little while ago from uh, Ivan uh, Pierre Aguide. He said, with the unfortunate news that Utah Athletics is going to have to furlough and salary reductions for their staff and coaches because of the pandemic, this is the perfect time to call Jim Center and commit to becoming a season ticket holder for UTEP football, UTEP men's basketball, and UTEP women's basketball. So, yeah, there obviously you go. That's, hey, if there, you know. No, go ahead. Steve. Go ahead, Tosh. No, well, I was gonna say that, that, that's know, definitely one way to make a difference. That's for sure. Well, sure, and they, and and still, Steve, there's what four home games left, and UTEP still has a three-game mini plan for the remainder of the season. So you can choose any of the three of of, of the any three of the four games remaining in a mini plan and, and be a season ticket holder, and it would 
make a difference. And, you know, they, the Miners have been pretty consistent their first two home games, Steve, in terms of uh, attendance, revenue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've got about, what, 2,500 or so until we get to the uh, imposed capacity this year of 8,600. So uh, why not make that a goal over the season's uh, last four games to try and get to the new capacity of just under uh, 8,600? And you can choose a, a three-game mini plan to uh, to kind of help it along. I've got less than a minute before we wrap things up. Tell me what it was like uh, growing up as a kid and getting a chance to watch Gale Sayers run the football. Well, I you know, that was the golden age of uh, football back in the day and he was Steve, he was just so graceful. I mean, that was the thing about uh, about him. He just kind of floated. Uh just unbelievable uh, talent and you know, there were so many great ones uh, back then obviously as there are today. Uh, but uh, those were some great, uh, you know, Chicago Bears uh, teams with some great personalities uh, back then. And, uh, yeah, it's t- it's tough to lose guys like that, uh, Steve. Unfortunately, as you get older, more and more of them are, are moving on, aren't they? Yeah, they really are, and it's sad. But you're right, one of the all-time greats, that's for sure. John, have a great uh, show coming up with Coach Dimmel. We'll look forward to uh, having you guys next. All right, Steve, thanks. Get ready, folks. UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. Your chance to get in as well to the program and be a part of it. So that's coming up right here on 600 CSPN El Paso.